the, uh, this week's shir is dedicated in memory of Fanny Fega Bat Avram Demina Alehena Shalos. Fanny Altuna by her, her loving granddaughter Nurit Altura. Bless you. Uh, the Pashyoka has here to say I have a certain partiality to the Pashyok because Mitzorah was my Bar Mitzvah Pasha. So like every time I come to the Mitzorah I wonder why. Why Mitzorah? But here we are. Uh, you know that, that this business of Tzorah, without trying to get into what it is exactly, and whether it is leprosy or it's not leprosy, these questions don't interest me so much. You know, if there's somebody who knows the answer, so he will know the answer and tell us. But there's certainly the parasha. In the parasha, there are three kinds of afflictions that are mentioned that are connected to um, that are mitzorat that are tzorat uh, one is the tzorat of the goof right? uh, some kind of outbreak of something in different parts of your body and the second thing is tzorat habeget did you pay for that? did you pay for that seat? Oh, you like that better, really? That's interesting. What an interesting idea. Anyway, the first is Sarata Guf. Right? Something breaks out in your body. And the second thing is Sarata Begis. It, uh, something similar is attached to the clothing you're wearing. Clothing, other things that are made of cloth. And the third thing is Sarata Bayit. There's a Torah Now we don't know what any of these things are about. The way the Torah tells it to us is that somehow, if you have this problem, you've got to go running quickly to the Kohen. And the Kohen will take care of you. He'll be able to uh, suggest a modus operandi for getting rid of it. He will come and look, it will come look at it again, and he'll declare that either you're Tamei or you're Tahor. And that's what the Torah says. Hazal saw this process or these uh, events as punishments for people who engaged in Lashon Hara in idle talk about others right so if that's the case we don't really understand why there were three different punishments we don't understand why the Torah didn't mention it we don't understand very much about it in order to clarify a little bit we're going to go to the third category, which is called in Hebrew Tzara'at Habayit. The Tzara'at that has to do with the house. And you know, the Torah says if you see something growing in your house, you have to take out the stones and clean it up and put back some mud and then, and then make sure that it doesn't come back again. It seems very medical. Like what today, today you would call medical. It doesn't it, it, it seem... Um, uh, what exactly is happening with the house we don't know we don't know so let's look at the psukim the psukim are by the Hashem el Moshe del Aaron my Lord 
Right, Hashem said the following. Right? When you get to Eretz Kinan, we call that Eretz Israel today, and you and, and it becomes an Achuzah. Achuzah is a word that we know uh, in the Torah. You know, the Jews of Mitzrayim also had an Achuzah, and there was, I think, negative. Like they sort of thought they could really live there. But here, Achuzah means after you conquer the land after you it becomes yours right? it's yours by promise but eventually it becomes yours by fact right? it's going to be yours so as again you know it's hard to understand it's, it's hard to understand the Hebrew of the Torah but if this was modern day Hebrew it would sound like a promise. They're not happy. And God says, I will give this. I will make this happen. Make what happen? Make a, uh, make a negatzarat bevet eretz achuzatchem. That's what, that's the promise. Now, why would anybody want to be promised that his house is going to be destroyed by tzarat? Well, what, what does it mean? So Rashi, Rashi deviates from his uh, general uh, uh, position on shots, which is that the words have something to do with what they mean. Right? And he tells us a story. He tells a story which is found in Chazal, but which doesn't really seem to us to be the straightforward, simple shot. So this is what Rashi says. You see, Rashi? As he says, This is good news. Good news for them that there's going to be Tzarat Abayat. That all that the houses in Eretz Yisrael are going to be afflicted by Tzarat. Why? This is great news that the Negaim, Negaim are the afflictions will come upon them. Emoriyim is a, a, a description for the seven nations of Eretz Kenan. Even though one of the seven nations is Emori, but Emori became, could you say, the generic name for all the peoples who lived in Eretz Israel. So when the people who lived in Eretz Israel heard that the Jews were coming, that was 40 years earlier, right? After Matan Torah, they were supposed to be coming to Eretz Israel. Okay, they were held up, the Miraglim, and, uh, and it took 40 years to get to where they should have been long ago, right? The, Mara, uh, the Miraglim. So the Amoriim equals the nations of the land of Canaan, started hiding their gold and silver because they didn't want the Jews who come the B'nai Yisrael and win in the war that they would also get the money right? they couldn't put it in a bank in Switzerland so instead they put it in the walls of their house so what are you going to do? I mean, a lot of houses you're going to break down every house to look for gold inefficient so along comes HaKadosh Baruch Hu is this great? 
that, that the nega is like an X. There's an X on the spot. Right? What do you do with the nega on the bite? You take out the stones. When you take out the stones, you find the money. So this is really, and that's why Rashi calls this the Sorahi Rachel. So Rashi doesn't connect this in any way to a transgression. He doesn't connect it to a problem of health or welfare. But he says, Adarabba, this is God's way of bestowing a further gift on B'nai Yisrael. Not only do they get Eretz Yisrael, but they get all the hidden treasures that are in the walls of the houses in Eretz Yisrael. Now this is true, is found in Chazam. But it is also very far from what you would imagine any kind of shot is. Although, having read Rashi, I could say it. I could, I could say, like, here's the Pasuk. Kitavol Eretz Kinan, Asher Nitein Nechem Lachuzah. But I thought the Negesarat Vevet Eretz Lachuzah Chem Why? In order that you should have some benefit. When you come to Eretz Yisrael, you'll have some benefit. Right? You know, the Kuzari as uh, as uh, not on the sheet, but you know that the Kuzari associated or, or, or this with Eretz Yisrael. That good things happen to you in Eretz Yisrael that don't happen anyplace else. But that's Rashi. We know, we know what Rashi said. Now let's look at the Ramban. Let's look at the Ramban. The Ramban, Ramban says, Amar Katuv Vinegei Habatim Venatati neged tzara'ah. Who's the Ramban says that only, only with negatim does it say venatati. I will give you. I will place upon you. I will uh, 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 give to you somehow. Venatati neged tzara'ah lemos. Why does it say that? Doesn't say that by tzara'ah ha'adam or tzara'ah habgadim. Doesn't say that. He says, Lermos, Kiyad Hashem, Sa'asezot. Make sure that we understand that this is a divine act. That this is something that didn't happen naturally. It's not something that you expect to happen. That it's a, that's a Yad Hashem. Lo Teva Klau. Lo Teva Klau. This is not a natural event. It's not something that happened because there was there were tzarat microbes in the air, or somebody with tzarat came close to the building and affected it. It's not even we don't know what it's for. The Raman doesn't tell us, but the Raman says it's not natural. Now you have to remember that if you learn the Raman at the end of the parsha of Bo, the Raman is of the theory that everything that happens in the world day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, second to second, is uh, caused by God. There is no such thing as nature. Nature is something that appears to us to be so, because we can operate with it. But it's something like uh, uh, Newtonian physics versus Einstein. Now, Einstein explained that Newton was wrong. But just because he was wrong, doesn't mean that it won't continue to work. Like mechanics, Newtonian mechanics, is how you build bridges and buildings. So he's wrong. So it wouldn't work on Mars. So it wouldn't work out in some kind of, uh, uh, some other galaxy. But so what? 
it still works. So Teva for the Rabban is an illusion. But we can work with it. We can work with the illusion. And we can say, we can say we expect the sun to rise tomorrow because it has risen for many days in the past. Whereas the Rabban says, the truth is that we don't know if the sun is going to rise tomorrow because it's entirely dependent on divine will. That's what we mean when we say that there is no there is no teva. There's no teva. And yet the Ramban, the same Ramban here says, uh, lo teva klau. Of course lo teva klau, because according to him, there's no such thing as teva. But what he means is, it doesn't even have the appearance of teva. We try to make the distinction between the ten makot in Mitzrayim, which um, are closer to teva, and kriyat yamsuf, which is totally disconnected from what we would call Teva. Right? There is this idea that you can, or you can understand that Teva is a malleable concept. Right? It's nature. It has to happen. It goes according to the rules of nature. You can say all of those things and believe as the Ramban believed, as the Ramban believed that there's no such thing as nature. But everything comes as a divine fiat of the moment. God is Total hashkacha. Total hashkacha, right? God is watching all the time to make sure that the product, the world that was created, continues to function properly. But every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, is determined by God actively. The Rambam, Maimonides, you know, who lived 700 years before the Rambam, had a different opinion. Right, then the Ramban said, the Rambam said in the Voronibuchim in the last chapter, in chapter 50, not the last chapter, 350, the Rambam, the Rambam says, you know that if you're walking along, Zayed is walking along the street, Zayed is in the Arab version of John Smith. Right, so Zayed is work, walking in the street, and he steps on a cockroach. You can't really say that that's what God intended. Right, there was this, uh, he, he, the Rambam tried to explain that there is nature and there is watchfulness. But the watchfulness of God does not interrupt nature necessarily. It might, but it doesn't necessarily interrupt it. And therefore, if things go along in a natural way, that's okay. That's part of the creation. Right? That's why God created the world and wound it up, wound it up really tight, and then it goes. It goes the way it's supposed to go. This doesn't mean that God can't disturb it or change it or distract it or that God can't destroy the world that God created. Even though it's a little hard for us to understand how that works. But the Rambam would say that that's possible. It's possible for God to destroy the world that God created. Uh, the, the difficulty with saying that is that you would imagine that if God created the world then the result of God's creation would be what God wanted. And therefore, why would God ever want to destroy the world? But we know that at the time of the marble at Noah for the flood, God did destroy the world. Almost. But maybe almost is the difference. Maybe. So you have this, so you have this problem about miracles and nature and according to the Ramban, 
This is not Teva. That's what the Pasuk means. This is not something you could expect. There's no rule of science that enables you to say the house will might be afflicted. But the house is never afflicted unless God wants it to be afflicted. So on the course here, when we're talking, we can, I, I, I try to explain that there seems to be a difference between the Ramban, who says that everything is a miracle, and the Ramban, Maimonides, who says that there's also nature. There's a lot of miracles, but there's nature as well. And that maybe that's the difference, and you see at the time between the ten plagues, which are closer to nature, and Kriyat Yamsuf, which doesn't seem to have any nat- nat- natural kind of connectedness to the created world. I mean, it's totally unexpected. It's un- uh, uh, unable to understand. Okay, so now I want to look at the Rambam. The Rambam, in this case, is in Hilchot uh, Tumatzarat, the last halacha. You have it there. I brought in this, uh, my Mosadarab cook, Rusty Rambam, because I can't see the page. So I can't read it. So this I can read. Okay, you ready? The Rambam is a great Rambam. Before, before we learn it, I'm telling you it's a great Rambam. <laughs> what? It's a promo. Yeah, it's a promo. Yeah. It's like if we had music, it could be a trailer. <laughs> this is it. This is it. But this is really the, a great, a great Rambam. So the Rambam says this. First, he starts off in his Rambamistic way by telling us something. Oh, I see the newsman started. But tomorrow. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> how's, how's things in New York? Yeah. Anyway, listen to the Rambam. The Rambam says that's Sarat. Sarat is a word that's used in the Torah. So he's going to define it. He wants to define the word Sarat. He says, who's shame Amur? Shame is a noun. Or the name of it. But we would call it a noun. Who shame Amur the Shutafut Kolel in Yanim Harbe. He says, the word Sarat can be referenced by many different things. There are different things that are called Sarat in the Torah. She'ein domin zelazeh. And they're different one from the other. The Rambam was, was interested in this. He's interested in words and their meaning and when uh, you, you apply one meaning and another meaning. If you look at the, at the beginning in the Moranabuchim in the guide, you'll see that the Rambam has a special interest in words and their meaning. It's some, for some strange reason the Rambam thought that if you didn't understand the words, you might be at a disadvantage. So he was very much into understanding the words. He says, He says, after all, If the skin of a person, if your skin gets white, so the Torah calls that Sarat. I don't know anything about the medical aspects. I'm just telling you what the Rambam says. He says, Sometimes when you lose the hair on your head or you lose the hair in your beard, the Torah also calls that Sarat. And when the, the clothing that you wear has really take on a different look or uh, 
or a batin, or the houses that you live in suddenly look and have a, like an odd look to them. Karui, Sarat, that's also called Sarat. So you see, there's Sarata Adam, Sarata Bikadim, and Sarata Baruch, which is what we said at the beginning when we were talking. He's just going through the Chumash. And this is the order in which they appear in the Chumash. First Adam, then Bigadim, and then finally Bayit. That's in the, in the Chumash. V'zeh ashinui amur bigadim u'bebatim shekaratu Torah tzarat b'shutafut Hashem eno mimin hagoshel olam. He says v'zeh ashinui. This change, you know, the skin gets white, the clothing gets discolored, the houses get, you know, something like terrible growth in them. This, all this, these changes are called Sara'at Bishutafut Hashem. But that's what the, the word Sara'at uh, means. It means all of these different things, all of these different things, there's no, doesn't seem to be any connection. And no, which sounds like to me it means this cannot be scientifically assessed you can't uh, uh, put it into a logical category it doesn't fit into what is the way of the world it's something that can be classified scientifically right? that's what science is about you start out you, you take a bunch of material and you start dividing it up into groups. And then you try to explain what the difference in one group and another group is. And then within the group, you start to explain the differences. But all of that is related to the fact that there's a regularity about it. Min shalolam. This is eno min shalolam. This has nothing to do with the way the world is or the way the world runs. It was according to the Rabbam, there is such a thing as Min Hagoshalolam, what the Rabbam calls Teva. Right? There is Teva. The Rabbam says there's no Teva. The Rabbam says there is Teva, but this is not it. This is not Teva. If it's not Teva, so what is it? Elaot upela hayabi Yisrael kedei laziram milashonara. Ot upela. Oat is a sign. A pella is a wonder. I don't know what a sign and a wonder is. I don't know the difference between a sign and a wonder. But it sounds like something miraculous. And miraculous means it's a divine decision of the moment. Is that something that's built into the world? That if, that if you do this, then your clothing is going to turn funny colors. It's not that. Not that at all. So the Rambam takes as being the obvious and simple interpretation like why would God do this? Why would God afflict us with Sarat A or B or C? Why? Because you have to stamp out Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara has a very wide definition. You know that since the the Chavetz Chaim amazed the Torah world by writing a, a very learned and very important sefer on Lashon Hara. We know what else thought of it before him. Uh, Lashon Hara 
is uh, to define Lashon Hara became very difficult. I mean, he, he had to have, write a book, like 300 pages, to try to tell us what is Lashon Hara and what is not Lashon Hara. It's a wonderful book. I mean, even if you're not into Lashon Hara, it's a wonderful book. And uh, uh, Rahman said, the Rabbi says that this Otu Pella, this wonder, is Kedela Hatziram Lashon Hara. Hatziram is to warn them against Lashon Hara. In other words, Sarat is not a punishment. Sarat is a warning. It's a warning against Lashon Hara. Now, there's a difference between a punishment and a warning, as we will see. But that's what the Rabbi, that's what the, uh, that was that's what the Rambam says. Lazirav l'shon hara, Shabbos haper l'shon hara, mishdanot kirot beitov. If a person has this need to tell l'shon hara, right, to talk about others, to talk about what the others you know might have done, then mishdanot kirot beitov then the first thing that happens is that the walls of his house start changing. And they seem to be, I mean, you could compare it to, you know, to go to the Kotel, you have all these weeds growing out of the, as the neck, right, Azov, growing out of the, the Kotel. It looks bad. So if that starts happening in your house, then, uh, then you know that Lashon Hora is involved. Uh, if he repents and decides not to speak Lashon Hara then the house becomes pure again but if he says no I want to talk Lashon Hara and then he, the house continues to be afflicted until it's destroyed until the house is destroyed Suddenly, this leprosy or tzarat afflicts the leather goods in his house, like his bed and his couch and, and the things he sits on on the floor. If he then does tshuva, then the leather in his house will become purified. But if he doesn't, and the sarat doesn't leave the, leave the leather goods, then they are burnt by the Kohen. That the next level is the clothing that he is wearing is afflicted. In Chazar Bo, Yitharu, in Madbirisho, Achi Yisufu, Mishtane Oro. See the Rambam? The Rambam says, his clothing. And if he doesn't uh, do tshuva, right, then they burn the clothing. And then, his, his skin becomes leprous. And then, then he becomes 
separate but for his son clearly well known I mean when the house was afflicted it wasn't obvious who, the, who that, that was about and when the leather was afflicted it wasn't obvious then either and even the clothing doesn't make it obvious because you could borrow somebody else's clothing but if you yourself are afflicted then it becomes clear who you are so what happens after you are afflicted move down for some levado until he will not not any longer speak in the company of uh, comedians or clowns uh, wicked shehi aleitzanut l'shon hara so the thing that, that up to now which I think should be a little bit annoying is that they, why, why doesn't these guys get punished I mean it's true they're being afflicted but at the end of the day let's say Ruvain steals money from Shimon so we know how to deal with him right you have to get the money back yet if he doesn't have the money you can end up as a slave I mean there are clear punishments to find here so if somebody speaks Lashon Hara why isn't he punished? It's true that these afflictions are a partial punishment. Uh, they're, they're, but they're not the kind of punishment to put an end to it. Here's a guy who had three chances to do tshuva. Right? The house, the leather goods, the clothing. He didn't take them. He didn't take those. So shouldn't there be some punishment for that as well? He says, no, no. So then he says, his skin is affli- afflicted. Fine. So then he does tshuva. He doesn't do tshuva. Why is it that his only punishment is that he has to do tshuva? There's something. Let's go on. Alinyan zemas here but peravo ne kotsa pasuki shamer benegat Be careful. Beware when there is tsarat. Zacharet asher asar shevel kekel miriam baderach. The Torah says, "Remember what happened to Miriam." You know there are people who say the six zichronot every morning many sidurim have this there's uh, four zichronot the six zichronot it's apparently uh, uh, was contrived by the Arizal the Arizal is given credit for adding this to the sidur like everybody should say the six zichronot so one is Zechitziat Mitzrayim and one is Amalek and the third one is Miriam that you should remember but what is he supposed to remember? When it comes to Amalek, I mean, there's always a problem. The Torah says, remember, you know, we just had a uh, Yom HaShoah. We just experienced or went through Yom HaShoah, whatever, whatever word you want to use. And, and it's a Yom Zikaron. Like, what is it? I mean, like, think to yourself. Like, what is it that we're supposed to remember? I mean, it's not such an easy question. It's worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about. I would rather people thought about that and sat in the cafe and drank a cup of coffee than not sitting in the cafe and not thinking about anything. In any event, listen to this. This is what the Pesach means. Zachor et Miriam. Remember. No, he's supposed to remember. So he says, Arayomer, Hidbonenu, Ma'irala Miriam Anaviyah. Remember what happened. Look into what happened to Miriam the prophetess. Shedibra, Bachiha, 
שהייתה גדולה ממנו בשנים. She was older than Moshe Rabbeinu. She was older And she brought him up. He was the little brother. And she put herself in danger to save him. And when he was in a basket of reeds in the, in the waters, he didn't say anything bad about Moshe Rabbeinu. Ella her mistake was only that she thought that Moshe Rabbeinu could be asked to live up to the standards of other prophets that was her mistake she didn't say anything really negative about Moshe Rabbeinu and Moshe Rabbeinu didn't care he said he got like a like a, like a, 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 a thing like what are you supposed to remember what are you supposed to remember I mean after all she was the older sister she felt they had the right to criticize her younger brother. She brought him up. She saved his life. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't care about what happened. Moshe Rabbeinu was very humble. And nevertheless, God afflicted her immediately with Sarat. Kalvachoma, the Rambam says, certainly, surely, it would be true with Nei Adam HaRashaim Hatik Shim Shemidabrim Lidaveg Dolot V'Niflot He says, certainly this is true about fools and wicked people who speak about, uh, you know, who, who create uh, illusions about themselves and about others L'Fikach Ra'uy L'Mishirot Selech Havein Orchotah And therefore it would be proper but somebody who wants to redirect his his path, the chavein, to to uh, to look into it, to stay away from such people, and you shouldn't even speak to those kinds of people because you might be caught up in whatever they are doing a person should not be caught in the, in the web of their wickedness so the Rabbah said Rabbah says this is you know he's answering the question how come how come this Sarat Abayit and Sarat Abayit and Sarat Abayit how come all this, all this is why doesn't he just get, get punished and so he goes on and he says furthermore we're asked to remember it's like a great educational thing Miriam remember Miriam she didn't do anything very wrong and she didn't mean anything bad and yet she was punished immediately for talking Lashon HaRav Moshe Rabbeinu right so he says, He says, you stay, have to stay away from those guys, those fools. I'm sorry, I, I skipped the line here. This is the way of the, of the late sin. Late sin are the clowns. Harishayim, the wicked clowns. First they talk about nothing. Right? You know, they sit around, they talk about nothing. 
כעניין שנאמר, הפוסק עם קהלת הוא כל כסיל ברוב דברים. כסיל is a fool, an idiot. What's, what's the thing that, how do you recognize a fool and an idiot? Talks all the time. ומתוך כך, ואין לספר בגנות הצדיקים. You see? You see the Rambam? The Rambam is amazing. He says, why, why shouldn't I, you know, today there is this thing, you go to the, you go to the people, you know, you like, you drag them out of where they are, they look at the Hasidus, they always have this idea that you have to go down in order to come up. So you have to go to the simple people. The Rambam says, you gotta stay away from those people. Because, because those people, since they have nothing to talk about, they speak poorly about the righteous. About the righteous person with strength. Uh, and because they are willing to insult the righteous so how much how difficult is it for them to also insult the Nevi'im they would insult and, uh, and, uh, and uh, speak lightly about those who represent God, says, who caused them to uh, uh, stand up against heaven? The fact that they spoke Lush and horror. In other words, the Rambam's description of Lashon Hara is leprosy. That's leprosy, the medical term. But what we're talking about, Tzarat, just like Tzarat spreads and becomes worse and worse and worse, and it goes from it goes from the house to the leather to the clothing to the body, it spreads. So too Lashon Hara. So that the comparison of Chazal and Chazal saying that leprosy has something to do with Lashon Hara is not an idle comparison according to the Rambam. But it is actually, they're very similar. Just like Lashon Hara, so too leprosy. Or just like leprosy, so too, so too uh, Lashon Hara. Uh, Lashonam Shachatzkila Ba'arit. It's, it's the Lashon Hara, the little Lashon Hara, that causes the big Lashon Hara. Zoe Tzichatzkila Ba'arit. Shagoremet Lahem Yishivat Kranot. This is what happens. That's why these Rishayim, these wicked people, are sitting in, in the corners, you know, whispering to each other and talking uh, these, these words of Lashon Hara. And they, are, they get together with other, uh, with other ignorant people. The Yeshivat Batemish Ta'ot. They sit in bars and drink shechar, which I guess is beer. Aval sechat kishrei 
כשירי ישראל אינם אלה בדבר תורה וחוכמה. כשירים, the kosher Jews, they are always involved in Torah and wisdom. ופיכך הקודש ברוך הוא עוזר על ידם ומזכה אותם בה. Therefore, because they are righteous, they receive divine support שנאמר, and it quotes a prophet as Nidbarah. So what do you say? In what way, in what way is Lashon Hara differentiated according to the Rambam from any other Aveira? So one way we've already mentioned, and that is that the expansive nature of Lashon Hara. When you speak ill of somebody, you lose respect for him. That's what, that's what it means. You're trying to generate a lack of respect for that person. Lack of respect, as the Rambam says also in Hebchot the lack of respect for a person means lack of respect for the creator of that person. I mean, it's like saying, oh, God, you know, you really messed up on this one. Right? This person, a mess. Now, Lashon Hara, there's been a mention about truth or false. This is irrelevancy. Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara gets you to feel, gets you to think that, uh, that things are unimportant, that people are unimportant. And if you think people are unimportant, how difficult is it for you to think that the righteous are unimportant? And how difficult would that be for you to think the prophets are unimportant? And how difficult would it be for you to think that God is also not so important? So this is the world God created. These are the people that God put in the world. Eh, you know, no big deal. That's what Lashon Hara is. Lashon Hara is not just a statement that you make about somebody that you don't like for some reason, but Lashon Hara is an affliction. It's like Sarah. It's like Sarah. In fact, in fact, it's more of a, of an affliction than any other Avera, because if Reuben kills Shimon, if Reuben kills Shimon, everybody has some kind of a, one goes to, uh, try to, uh, to, to imitate philosophers, but let's say people have a sense of justice. They have a sense that you shouldn't kill other people. I don't know anything about the Germans in World War II and the Holocaust, I don't know, but let's assume that people have a sense, they have a sense of justice. Reuben kills Shimon. It's not going to cause an outbreak of Reuben's killing Shimon's. I think that, I think that uh, the, the world is under some sort of control when it comes to that question. That Lashon Hara, that when you kill Ruve for killing Shimon, so where our, our basic ideas of justice are fortified. We say, you see what happened to Ruve? Certainly you have to beware doing such a thing. I know that in society today there's a problem that we make believe that there is no problem. What about Lashon Hara? What about Lashon Hara? Lashon Hara. Lashon Hara has a life of its own. You can't kill Lashon Hara by killing the person who started it. There's no connection. Lashon Hara lives on its own. Everybody knows that we are the products of a society 
says is Lashon Hara oriented Arasof. Every newspaper, every magazine, every comment is always about someplace. It's, it includes Lashon Hara. It includes Lashon Hara. It's almost impossible to communicate without having like a little juicy uh, piece of information that, uh, that makes it uh, what we call Lashon Hara. Uh, if the how could you stop it? How could you stop Lashon Hara? It seems that anything that is perpetrated as Lashon Hara has a life of its own, and it, it doesn't allow you. It doesn't allow you any kind of recourse because what would happen if Ruvain started Lashon Hara about somebody or other, and then you killed Ruvain? Like the court. If the court, the Jewish court of law killed him, then what would happen to the Shonara? Nothing. Not a thing. There's no way to stop the Shonara once it is started, except maybe one way. And that is if the perpetrator does shoot. And so unlike other transgressions, which are a matter of your relationship to God. God said, don't do it, you do it. Your, your relationship to God has been torn asunder and you sometimes have to pay a price. But Lashon Hara is different. Because with Lashon Hara, not only am interested in punishing the perpetrator, I'm interested in uh, uh, usurping the Lashon Hara. And the only possibility that exists for, uh, for usurping the Shonara, for usurping the Shonara, is that the perpetrator should do tshuva and say it was a mistake, I didn't mean it, I didn't know it. That could possibly put an end to the Shonara. So we see that in these parishes about the Shonara in Tazria and Mitzorah, the concern that, as the Raman says, the concern is doing tshuva. If you find somebody who spoke Lashon Hara, you have to get him or her to do tshuva. Because only tshuva, the personal tshuva, could uproot the Lashon Hara, could uproot the Lashon Hara itself. And that's the point that the Rambam makes. The Rambam then goes on and makes one further point and says that Lashon Hara defines you as a rasha. And a rasha is a person who is generally engaged in idle conversation. Whereas a tzaddik is a person who is generally engaged in the conversation of Torah. So that Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara defines you as a person who is outside of the category that is acceptable uh, acceptable uh, behavior of a Torah of a Torah personality. So these two things, these two things are the things that the Rambam emphasizes in his uh, discussion of Sarat vis-a-vis uh, Lashon Hara. Okay, have a good Shabbos. Thank you.